Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, and I'm thrilled to be able to present this public service announcement. Do you have a question about protecting your privacy? Do you wonder how you can fight identity theft and other privacy invasions? Each year, the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse helps thousands of consumers who have complaints or questions about a wide variety of privacy topics. The Clearinghouse offers assistance through its consumer hotline and its extensive website. It is rich with tips and problem-solving advice. To learn more, go to www.privacyrights.org. Planetary Radio is Public Radio's only weekly series about space exploration. I'm Matt Kaplan, and I hope you'll join me as we explore Mars, look for life in the universe, and fly through the rings of Saturn. We'll talk with the men and women, scientists and dreamers who are guiding us to a future beyond Earth. And don't forget to enter our weekly space trivia contest. That's Planetary Radio, Mondays at 5.30 p.m. right here on KUCI. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm this show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She sits as an advisor to the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's a sheriff reserve here in our county. She's testified many times in Congress and the California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues, and you may have seen her on TV on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC News, O'Reilly Factor, Araldo, Montel, and lots of other shows. She presented her own 90-minute PBS special last year called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Evening, Mari. Hi there. How's the show tonight? We have a very interesting show, and I'm really pleased with our guest. If you remember, oh gosh, about a month and a half ago, I went uh, to New York to be on the Montel show, and I met a wonderful woman named Elisa McDermott. And Elisa was supposed to appear on the show as well, but they overbooked, which they just did to another client of mine, and they weren't able to to have her tell her story. And it is a compelling story, and hopefully they're going to put her back on. But meanwhile, I had the great opportunity to meet her and actually give her my book and try and set up something to help her because she has been living in identity theft hell. Let me tell you a little bit about her background, Lloyd. Elisa McDermott is a Colorado resident. She's an insurance broker, a mother of four kids, with two two still living at home. She's even the president of her local business association and a member of many clubs and organizations. She's been a positive contributing member of her community. In the year 2000, she found out that she was the victim of identity theft, and she learned what that would mean to her and her family. Her nightmare has lasted for over six years, and she's still trying to clear her name and her daughter's name and clear her credit from the horror scene of identity theft. Unfortunately, her identity thieves used her social security number, which they found on her driver's license, okay, and other identity documents. Luckily, in California, we don't use the social security number uh, as the ID number, and most states have changed that. Anyway, so that's what happened to her. She was impersonated, and so was her daughter. She has spent endless hours writing letters, mail blasting, and during the red tape of the frustration with banks, credit card companies, credit bureaus. It's been a total disaster. And her victimization of identity theft has really devastated her own family and her finances. 
Um, you know, when this all happened, she was a single mom with four kids. But she was so outraged by this that when she gets her life together, she wants to do something to help other people. And she agreed to do this story and this in, to tell her story and do this interview with us tonight because she hopes that that'll enlighten others to see what can happen. And she knows by the two of us working together, I can kind of help people to understand what do you do in these kind of cir- circumstances. So here she is, Elisa, starting over her life, starting over her credit. And um, luckily, the good news is she has a new marriage and a new outlook, and she's positive about looking forward to a better life. So we're so thrilled to have you. Are you there? I'm here. Thank you. Thank you, Elisa. We're so pleased to have you with us, and it was so great to meet you in uh, New York. That was great. So let's start out and tell us how you became a victim of identity theft. Well, I just went to a a local town to have my oil changed in my vehicle and waited in the lobby while it was having the oil changed. I left my purse in the car, and my purse was stolen out of the car. And I didn't realize that it was missing until I got home because I thought, boy, there's some reason why I left my purse at home, and then my nightmare began. And, you know, I want to bring this up now, what an important point this is, because a lot of people get distracted. They're they're in a hurry. They're working with, you know, they're maybe getting gas in their car, and they leave their, um, their purse on the seat in their car with their windows open, and they went, they go to get the gas. Somebody just reaches in and takes their, their purse or their wallet. And, you know, also you run into the dealership. You're trying to, you know, hurry up and get something done, pick up your car. You don't think about it. Honest, trusting people do things like that, and we have to be more conscious of it. I'm not blaming you or anything, but just everybody, unfortunately, you know, good people don't think about how bad people would do that, you know, or how fraudsters would do that. So that's that's just, uh, you know, horrible for you for that to happen to you. So how did you first learn that something was wrong, Elisa? Well, um, I had went to the store that day, and I'd had a debit. I put the debit card in my back pocket, and that's the only reason why I was able to pay for my oil. But when I went up there, when I went to the car, I was like, "Where in the heck's my purse?" And searched the car, and I thought, "Boy, I must have just left it on the counter at home." Drove home, had the kids do a massive search of the house, could not find it anywhere. Called the dealership. Did I leave it in the lobby? You know, I distinctly remembered leaving it on the seat of my car because it was going into a garage, and I was just sitting there waiting. Uh, you know, a quick 20-minute oil change. And um, and that's how I first noticed that it was just gone, disappeared. Now, wh- what steps did you take when you, I mean, you knew it's gone, you knew it disappeared, you thought, I'm in trouble, so what did you do? Well, I did what we had always been told. Call the credit card companies, let them know that your purse has been stolen or misplaced. I called the banks and let them know that because I had checking accounts, uh, checkbooks in my purse, plus the signature cards. Those were a big deal back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that you had to have that signature card before a lot of the stores would accept it, like the big department stores. Right. So that was in my purse all my children's social security numbers, because we went to the doctor or went somewhere, I always had their numbers with me. Right, because often the insurance card in the past, until just recently, the insurance card number was the social security number. And fortunately, in California, we passed a law a few years ago that no health carrier could use the social security number as the ID number. So that has really helped Every state, including you in Colorado, it isn't the number now, but in, you know, six years ago, it still probably was. Well, your driver's or your Social Security number was on your driver's license. Right. It was, you know, you carried the Social Security card. You even had, I had it on my checkbook. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, wow. You yeah. put it on everything back then. And it is still the key to the kingdom of identity theft, and, and it was yeah. then as well, right. right? So, so the steps that you took after you, you know, you canceled your credit cards and got new credit cards. You canceled your. Did you actually close your checking accounts and get new account numbers? Yes, I did. I did, and um, 
I thought I had everything wrapped up that you were supposed to do. You know, my mother taught me, you always want to keep track of what you have in your purse so that if something happens, you call them and let them know. Right, right. And so you followed those steps. You know, there was four to six of the steps and let everybody know what's happening. And did, now, did, did you have to get a new driver? Yeah. yeah, Elisa, did you have to, you got a new driver's license as well? Yes, correct. And when you got that new driver's license, did it have your uh, social security number on it as well? Yes, it did. It did. Okay, that was the state-issued, yep. uh, the Colorado state-issued yes. one. Okay. Well, that had, was in Iowa. Oh, that yep. was in Iowa. Okay. Yep. Iowa issued your driver's license with your social security number. Right. Arizona used to do that, and Hawaii used to do that. Right. And Missouri, I think it's a choice. It's so crazy. But, okay, so so you canceled that. You thought everything was in order, correct? You thought correct. you had taken care of everything. So then right. what happened? Then what happened is uh, my bank called me one day, and she said, Lisa, I have a couple of, or a few checks that have come in that are not your signature. Now, how long after you had notified the bank did this happen? Was it a, a few weeks, a few months? What was it? Um, probably about six weeks. Okay. And I had closed that account, so they knew that account was closed. Right. And then they started receiving checks in that did not even match. Well, they knew my signature. So it right. was close, but it wasn't mine. Right. Now, there's two things that are important. Now, that was a, in Iowa, it was more of a small town, so they knew your signature. Now, a days, you know, you go to these big banks right. and they don't know you. But additionally, the big red flag was you had closed that account, so you had a new account number. Correct. Now, I, I want to just mention this. Um, many times things like this will happen to people, and the bank says, oh, you don't need a new account number. We will just uh, cancel those checks. I just want to assure everybody who's listening, if any of your accounts are compromised, your checking account, um, your savings account, absolutely you're going to have to cancel that, close it, and have them open up a new account if they've been accessed. Right. Okay. All right. right. So go ahead. But after, you know, when those checks came in and the bank let me know, I did not have to honor those because that account had been closed due right. to my purse being stolen. But the problem was is when they send those checks back to the businesses where the check was written. Right. Then and the you get a bad are name. mad at you and sending you certified letters and threatening to throw you into collections because of uh non-sufficient funds are closed to count. Right. Closed. And they thought it was you, even yes. though it wasn't your account. Correct. And so what did you do? Did you have to contact, you probably had to contact each and one of, every one of those retailers, right? Yes, I did. And, um, you know, at first, they don't want to believe you. Right. They just think that you're somebody who's bouncing from accounts to accounts and not honoring their Right. Their, your their commitment. Services. Right, right, right. And so where were these uh, were these checks um, written and cashed in Iowa, or were they in another state? Where, where were they using these checks? Well, they started just in Iowa, and they were written, like, at the big um, department, department chains, uh -huh. um, grocery stores, bars, uh, nightclubs, hmm. things like that, to where um, a lot of them were written at a bar. Interesting. And so when I called the, the owner... And he, and I said, what, is, what do they look like? Right. And he's like, I don't know. So one of the places I actually went to, and he's like, well, that's not you. I've never seen you before in here. Right. So, you know, I had to honor that. But he was one that would constantly call me and just scream at me. Even though he knew that it wasn't you. That's interesting. Because he wanted his money. Right. He wanted his money no matter what. Well, right. And he he was calling about the. I mean, did he take more than one check? Had he yes. he had okay. Yep. So, so he had. You know, he it had. is it is actually you know so dangerous um, to even use these checks, as you know now. And I want to mention this again too. You know, we recently interviewed Tammy Carroll, who had been who you also met when we were in New York, and she was Correct. an identity thief, and she made up checks. So it's very easy to go in, and I think this happened to you too, also, yes. didn't it? They yeah, yeah, they did that to me, too, because well, the checkbook that was in my purse had just a few checks left. And so what they did is they made checks on the computer right? and then started passing them that way. And it's funny because as fast as it started, it 
quit just that fast, too. Well, they probably they couldn't yeah. get any more checks to go through. Right, right. So what they did, and I want to clarify for our audience that, and if they didn't hear Tammy, what happened with Tammy is Tammy talked about the fact that as an identity thief, she would get the checking account number and the routing number, which obviously your identity thief had from your checkbook, right? Correct. And then go and buy these, um, you know, go to Office Depot, Office Max, any of these office stores, and then create checks, and they could do it with your name, or even, it didn't even have to be your name, or all of them used your name? Uh, yes, every one of them are with okay. my name. Okay, my well, name, but social security you, number. Right, but you don't even have to use the the name of the victim. To, to be honest with you, I've seen a lot of them that said Mickey Mouse on them. So you, oh, you but it all it has to say is the um, the routing number and the account number, and any name could be on it. In fact, it could even be a different bank name on the check because what happens is the check honors it by by running it through the scanner and it just reads those numbers on the bottom they don't even look at the checks most of the time right so they would so even if they saw your signature unless somebody really stopped to look at them which they don't have any duty to do under the law um, they wouldn't even know so it doesn't right. matter about your signature so that's a good reason not to use checks at all so that exactly. you don't ever carry them in your purse or in your wallet or in your briefcase. It's just better not to use them. You're safer using a credit card. But, of course, yeah. if you've been through what you've been through, you might not be able to get a credit card. So, you know, oh, yeah. that's the I hard mean, part, too. Exactly, because those checks, even though I was not responsible for them, it was my name, my Social Security number, my account numbers, and they went to, like, those check versatile companies that, right. where they start trying to collect the monies. Right. So my name was in the system, although I didn't write those checks and had called the police and, you know, and went through the steps of telling them, look, I've covered my grounds here. This is what's happened. You know, this is a really good point that you're making right now because those, um, when there is a check, a fraudulent check, or there is a bad check, they get reported to several of these agencies that are kind of like the consumer reporting agencies, right. like, like CrossCheck, International Check Services, TeleCheck, yep. Scan, Fidelity right. National Information Services. And did you did you deal with them as well? Oh yes. So who did oh, you yeah. who did you have to deal with? Did you deal with Telecheck or who who did you have um, to deal with? I think the one I dealt with was Versacheck. If I if my memory okay. serves me Versa right, Versacheck. Okay, um, usually it's been it's, a while. Yeah, it's it's probably Telecheck. Probably okay. Okay. Anyway, those. What's scary is this. Here you are. You know, you close that account. That checking your checking account number and routing number were used, and then they're after you. And then this guy at the bar probably reported you to one of these agencies that um, actually does it. It's a check verification right. company. Yep. And then um, if you do try and do checks with your name, let's say somebody runs your name through, they'll, they'll never give you. They'll never take your check. That's right. And I was running into that problem. Oh, dear. And, so and yeah. when you got your new checking account number and you had new checks, then what would happen? Um, Did you what, have, you had trouble cashing checks? Yeah, at certain places. For instance, like Walmart. Because Walmart's kind of got their own little internal um, computer program that tells you if, if bad checks have gone through. Uh-huh. And they'll ask for an ID. And there was a couple of times where they'd say, uh, you need to call this 800 number. We cannot allow you to write a check today. Right. So I'd call the 800 number from customer service and right. say, this is what's happened. Right. You know, I can verify this. Uh, here's my new driver's license. I can show whoever. And once in a while they'd let me, once in a while they wouldn't. So did they so, tell you to write to them? Yeah, I wrote to them. I sent them a copy of the very first police report. Right. And then, you know, things just kind of ironed themselves out, so I thought. Right. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know this, but I, a lot of people may not know this, but under federal law, you now have a right to obtain any reports that these companies have, these check verification, like check systems, 
any reports that they have made on you, you have a right to, to write to them and ask them for a copy of the report so you know what Walmart is pulling up because they probably have access to all these um, check verification companies. So just okay. to know it, it's not a bad idea even now, Elisa, so this doesn't happen to you again in the future, is right. to, to write to these companies and then, obviously, they're in my book, by the way, but to write to the companies and say, hey, you know, I've been a victim of identity theft, I've closed this account, somebody, you know, my fraudster made up new checks using that checking and writing and used right. my name, and that's why it's happening, and here's my affidavit, give me a copy of the report that you're, you know, spreading around to right. all of these retailers, and, uh, but you have a right to that, and most people don't realize they do have that right. But, you know, what I also found, too, Mari, is, for instance, on my credit report right now that I'm still fighting for all these years, is I have two in specific. Burger King for $45 oh. that's in a collection agency. Oh, my goodness. A Verizon Wireless. and a, Oh, there's three. And a Safeways. Okay, so what they do is through my knowledge and having to deal with these people, is they'd bring it in, and then they'd send it to VersaCheck or TeleCheck. And then, because I would tell them I'm not going to pay you, then they sent it into a collection agency. Uh And I'd deal with that collection agency for six months, and then they'd sell it to another collection agency. Right. And so I could never get it stopped on my credit report by saying, this is not mine. It just went from one company to the next reporting. And it still shows up. Okay. So so this is what you need to do. And, and this obviously is also in my book about writing to the collection companies. We have a law that became effective in 2004. And if anybody else is listening, they need to know this too. That once you notify a collection company in writing that you are a victim of fraud, they can no longer collect against you, but they have to go back to the original creditor, for for example, in your case, to Burger King, and let them know. Now, at the same time, then Burger King is supposed to investigate this. But if have you written to Burger King and provided them the police report and your affidavit and explaining what happened? Have you done that yet? No, I did not do that. With okay, me. so that's what you're going to need to do so that you don't actually get sued. Now, have you been sued by any of these companies yet? No, and okay, by the now they, of God, I don't know why. <laughs> okay, now they I'm may. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. So what I would suggest, so these collections, you know, you need to write the letters that are in the book that I gave you, and right. the, you write to the credit bureau saying this is fraud, this has to be removed, and that will help you a great deal because they'll remove it, and they have to go back to those agencies, to those creditors, and tell them that. Alisa McDermott is saying this is fraud. Okay, so okay. but it is always important for you to notify the credit bureaus of the fraud. Give them the affidavit. Give them the documentation of who you are, and tell them to remove it. Now there is a letter in the book with on the CD that will tell you exactly what to say, and then there's also a letter to the collection agencies. That's right in there. So the good news is if you write to both of them and you tell them then, and then they continue to report this knowing that it's fraud, okay, then okay. you have a way to go after them. You have a way okay. to go after them. So so you can get this. And this is very important because people don't realize, like, it seems so ridiculous. Why is Burger King on my credit report? Well, obviously right. because it went into collections and the yeah. collections go on the credit report not that. And then the other two were, what did you say the other ones were? Uh, Safeway and Verizon Wire. Right. Okay. Well, Verizon is, you can go directly to them, right? Yeah, because and I have. Yeah. And, and they must remove it. And I, you know, the, the CD with the legal letters will help you with that. But if you still have a problem with them, you'll let me know. But again, there's a two-pronged uh, job for identity theft victims, which is really hard because here you are a victim and you have to overcome all these obstacles. But the right. two prongs that you're required to do to get your life back is one, to write to the credit bureaus, send them um, an affidavit, a, a police report, an affidavit, documentation of who you are, meaning a, a 
like a driver's license and a utility bill to show that this is really you, and then your affidavit, which explains what happened to you, and and you can use the same affidavit for every company, and that affidavit also is on the CD in the book, and it's also at ftc.gov at the Federal Trade Commission when you click on identity theft, you can find it, and they have to honor that. They have to honor that, and they can reinvestigate and say you're a liar, but with your case, it's going to be very clear to see that you're not lying about this. Right. But it does seem very unfair, and I've thought this for years, ever since I was a victim, that all the burden is on the victim. Correct. When you had your information stolen, the Vic, the um, oppressor, the 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 uh, fraudster and impersonator had to do nothing to prove who they were. But now right. you, to prove who you are, you have to jump over every hurdle and do uh, backflips. Right, because that was just the that was more or less the beginning of a huge iceberg of what I was to experience further on. Exactly. So, but the check stuff, and I, and I must say this, of, of, the, of the hardest things to deal with are when someone gets into your debit card, which I, we're going to talk about that in a second, and, and your checkbook. And actually, the easiest thing to clean up, which people don't even think about, the easiest thing is when someone gets your credit card because you cancel it and, it, you know, you're never going to be held responsible for it. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, there's no repercussions once you cancel their card. And if somebody else tries to reopen it, then there's, a, uh, there's another challenge. But basically, you get your credit card bill and no money is gone at, And when you get that bill. And you can stop right there and say, this is fraudulent. I'm not going to pay it. And then you can dispute it more easily. And people don't realize that credit card fraud is the easiest to clean up, right? Yeah, it is. Um, But I had some difficult experiences with that because unbeknownst to me, who had ever done this to me, um, went and changed, like, my address. Right. Like these mailbox etc.s. And were able to obtain credit cards in my name without me knowing. Okay. So even though I closed those accounts. Right. Then they reopened them, and I wouldn't receive statements to let me know or any phone calls to say, whoa, you're way over here because they were using my name, my social security number, but a different phone number, a different address. Now, Elisa, and- let me ask you something. You closed those accounts because of fraud. Right. And then the banks allowed whoever it was to reopen those same accounts? Not those same accounts, new accounts. Okay, with so my let's information. Okay, so so in terms of changing the address, they didn't change the address on accounts that you had previously. They got new accounts, correct? Correct, new accounts. Okay, so let's talk about that because that is a challenge. There's a big difference between someone using your credit cards and someone establishing new credit cards, which is a huge ordeal, right? Yeah, and that's what they did. Right, and and that's what happens to most victims. When someone gets your Social Security number, they can use that to open new accounts. So your fraudsters had your name, your social security number, they had a lot of information about you, where you banked, they had your purse, they right. knew how many kids you had, they had all this good stuff, right? Yep. And yep. they applied for credit at a new address. Correct. Okay. So All over the place. Right. And, you know, that is exactly what happened to me too, Elisa, and that happens to a lot of people. There is new law, by the way, that says... It's a it, that it should be a red flag if a company gets a request, an application for a credit card at a different address than what is on your credit report, right? right. That that what they should be doing is calling or writing uh, a letter and saying, "Wait, we got uh, a request." for a credit card at a different address is this correct do you know what i mean like that like right. i don't know if you've moved but that's what the post office does if you exactly. move they send you know what i mean they send you a postcard at both the old address and the new address yes that's what they should be doing so really people need to know that that 
that the companies themselves that issued those new credit cards were really negligent. They were very negligent because they they would let 25, 30 credit cards be issued in a month. And it was what my fight was with them was this is so out of the norm for the last 25 years of my life. You know, all of a sudden you guys are getting slammed with, you know, me obtaining credit that's a huge red flag. Why okay, now wait, that would be Yeah, and that would be a red flag. The different companies wouldn't know that other companies have been doing that, but they would, but the credit bureaus know this. Right. They know this. And we've been fighting, you know, Elisa, you are right, and we have been fighting with this for years that when the credit bureaus see some new just like outrageously different behavior that right. they should notify you. Like, like if you have a credit card now, they have this thing like um, MasterCard will do this with us. If if we are traveling and we have kind of um, a, a different pattern than our ordinary behavior because we're traveling, they may call and say, are, you know, are you really spending this kind of money? Do you know what I mean? Right. And that's right. the neural network. So you're right. They should – you're right. We should have a, a requirement – that the credit bureaus, when they see this extraordinary behavior by someone who doesn't usually apply like that, that that should be a red flag. But that is not the law, and, and they're not required to do that. Right, and they, they didn't want to even talk to me when I called. When I finally found out what was happening, you know, because of my banker. Um, now, how did you quiet. find out about all of the... This was an interesting thing, how you found out about how how many credit cards had been applied for at a different address. How did you find out that? Oh, this you know, after the preliminary with the checks and everything, I thought everything was done with. Right. And life was back to normal. And um, I called my bank, which I was used to working with on signatures for loans. That's right. All I would have to do is make a phone call and say, I'll be in tomorrow to sign the papers. And I called her for a $5,000 home equity loan. Right. And she called me back and she said, what the heck is going on with your credit? And I said, what? And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, it's 15 pages long and you're $168,000 in the rears. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I, I laughed at her. I said, oh, Kelly, there is no way. I said, there's a huge mistake. I said, I'll come in and we'll take care of it tomorrow. And that was the beginning of the nightmare to know how extensive this was. But I had no clue it would take me over six years to try to clear my name. Exactly. And this is a really good point that most people don't even have a clue that this is going on because you've got this uh, evil twin that's doing something maybe in another city or in another state. You're living your life. You don't have a clue this is going on until one th- something happens, like you apply for a loan, you want to get a car, you want to get a job. You um, you just, ha- you know, there's something that you're trying to do that someone has to pull your credit report and then they tell you, hey, you couldn't buy a safety pin on your right. credit, you know, and, right. uh, and that's really important. So I want to bring up at this point that we have passed federal legislation that allows you to get your free credit report from each of the major credit reporting agencies once a year. So... If you're listening to this and you don't and you think you're living a good life and everything's fine, you better check your credit reports and you can go to annualcreditreport.com and there you can get TransUnion, Equifax, Experian and you can get that credit report for free. There is also that you can get right online. If you're not comfortable doing that, there is a toll-free number that you can call and they will send it to you by mail and let me see if i've got the toll-free number if i don't i'll find it for you in a second but that um is oh here it is um you it's eight seven seven three two two eight two two eight that's eight seven seven three two two eight two two eight and i just want to mention 
um, that you have to, you will get a voice prompt to give your social security number and to give other uh, personal information. It goes into a voice prompt and it's a, it's a true number and you're going to have to give it. And I know it's aggravating, but they won't uh, issue you your credit report without that. So if you haven't gotten this, uh, you know, you, you want to remember that you can get all three um, every year. So you can stagger it and get one in January, one in March, and one in September if you want to. But you need to know that you can get it because, you know, um, most people don't haven't been getting their credit reports. So, Elisa, right. before you found out from your banker when you were trying to get that equity line, um, when ha- had been the last time that you saw your credit report? Probably two years. Right, right. So I didn't know there was a reason for me to check it because I had my vehicle, I had my home, I had my two little credit cards. Right. You know, I had everything that I needed and was content. Right. And, 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 and most people are like that. They just don't have a clue until they get maybe a call from a collection company. That would alert them right. as well. But usually it happens that they're denied some kind of credit. I want to introduce you again. We are speaking with Elisa McDermott, and she has been uh, victimized by identity theft, but she is not a victim. She's trying to fight back to get her life back. And uh, she's a Colorado resident and an insurance broker and, and a mom of four. So she is, you know, a upstanding citizen, and she has uh, been really hit by this. And, you know, Elisa, I don't know if you felt like this, but I surely felt like this. You know, no one believes you. So they start to look at you like you're such a low life, right? Oh, yeah. Just a real low life. Especially when I moved and tried to reestablish myself. And, you know, I went into the banks and I would take in my little packet of papers saying, I need an account. And a lot of places would be like, nope, your credit score is too low. We don't accept even a checking account with a less than a, a 620 credit score. Uh, and then you had to try and tell them, I'm a victim of identity theft, right. and they don't even want to give you the time of day, right? Exactly. So why did you exactly. move from Iowa to Colorado? I just moved back to be closer to family and friends. My folks are in Wyoming. Oh, I see. So here you, you know, at least in Iowa, everybody knew who you were, and they knew what you went through. And then right. you move thinking, I'm going to get a whole new life. And then you found it was even a worse scenario, right? Well, even the police, the very first time I called the police and said, oh, boy, someone has just run off of my accounts. And now my banker says that I've got all of these uh, debts on my credit report. The, the sheriff's department said, we're going to put attempted identity theft because you can't prove anything. Oh, my I goodness. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, you know, then I started fighting and calling all the collection agencies and, and where everything was, which might have been a demeanor to me in the beginning because then they had all my correct address and my correct phone number again. Oh. That's when the harassing phone call started. It's after I updated everything, trying to clear things up. And then I became a victim of harassment and cruelty on the phone. And there's a a big chain out there by the name of Sears that would call my house over 99 times a month. My children knew their number by heart. Uh, You know, and and that is against the law for them to do that. And especially now that we have passed the Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act, as soon as you notify a collection company and you have to notify them in writing and send the affidavit and send a copy of the police report, as soon as you do that, they can no longer collect. So this has changed a little bit because of all the people who have gone through what you've gone through, but they still will do it. And if they do it, you, you can have a cause of action against them. The problem is with smaller areas. Now, luckily, in California, we have some pretty good laws, and some of the other states have passed better laws. But law enforcement um, often doesn't see this as a, you know, a, a very uh, stringent crime because it's not a violent crime. You weren't right. raped. You weren't uh, kidnapped. You weren't killed right. oh, you know but um exactly. but it has taken a lot stronger measures now um and and you are entitled no matter where you live 
you are entitled to a police report. And I want to just mention this in, in passing for everyone who may become a victim of identity theft. And the FBI does says now that it's not if you become, it's when you become. You know, we right. keep hearing about all these security breaches, you know. Uh, you know, recently we heard about eight, the um, 800,000 people at UCLA that all their sensitive information was stolen every day. We hear about one breach or another breach. Right. So um, it, it's not if, but when. And what you need to know is there are things that you must do and you must get a police report. Now, for them to tell you that, you're, this is attempted identity theft because we can't prove it, is really pretty outrageous. So we tell people, if, if the police tell you that, you go to the chief of police or you call up your local media. You call yeah. up the local newspaper and say, everybody knows about identity theft and I can't even get a police report. Or you call up your uh, your senator, uh, your lo- your state or your local legislators and you tell them, I can't even get a police report because the law says that in order for you to get your life together, you must have a police report. And right. it, it it could even be an identity theft report. If, you, if your local police won't do it, you can get your uh, postal inspector, Social Security Administration inspector, your Department of Motor Vehicles, or the Secret Service, or the FBI. So, right. I mean, those are things. So do you finally now, Elisa, do you have a police report? Oh, yes, I have a police report. It took me three tries to finally sit down with somebody to say, look. And then I got an affidavit from um, a postmaster who wrote that I had never lived out of that town, so there's no way that I could have had a post office box in Alabama. Right. Okay, so, and then the police finally wrote me up a report that said identity theft. Right. Now and that is like a, join the pile. Right. Now this was at least great that you did get it from a postal inspector who was able to help you. So that's a really good point for people to remember. And I'm sorry that you had to go through all those hurdles to get a police report because you are entitled to it by state law. If you're listening out of the state of California, you're entitled every state, but especially in California, you're entitled under 530.5 of the penal code if anybody tries to give you a hard time, or even under the Fair and Credit Fair Credit Reporting Act. You are entitled to get it. So if you have a problem, you write an email to us, and we will jump all over these uh, law enforcement agencies. Most of them are much better now. Right. So, so you were able – so three times to finally get that. All right, so you got that, and then you used your affidavit and your police report. So how much did this – I mean, how much were you really um, – you weren't really out of pocket, but how much altogether was stolen – in your name, two hundred and eight thousand dollars. Wow, two hundred and eight thousand. Oh my God! And ruined my credit. And it ruins your life, doesn't it? It's ruined my life. You know, I went from a homeowner. Now I'm in a rental. I have a car with two hundred fifty-four thousand miles on it. Uh, all of my cars have over two hundred thousand miles. I still, to this day, cannot walk into a dealer and say, "I'd like." that car at your zero percent interest Uh, they won't even talk to you or me (laughs) right now when you get these collection companies off the credit reports uh off your credit reports then your score will go up tremendously right and we're working on that um i was finally issued after three requests i mean the three is like the magic number for me (laughs) the three requests with the social security administration for a new social security number okay now i want to stop right now and this is not advice that i would give anybody okay right and i want and i know that you if you and i would have talked before you did that i would strongly recommend against it and let me tell my audience why that is, okay? And and okay. I hope you don't experience this, but if you do, um, I will help you. This is what happens. When you change your Social Security number, there are so many databases out there, Elisa, that what happens is your old record somehow links with your name 
and your old social to your new social so that your old social security number links to the new one and it pulls up the entire record and what happens is with the credit bureaus there there uh, an alert comes on right and they call it like a hawk alert that there's some kind of a problem with the social security number and then you look more suspicious and especially for people who are victims of criminal identity theft they can never literally never get their lives back their entire life because they've changed their social security number. So so yeah. when you went to to try and do this, what did the Social Security Administration tell you? Uh, the first two times they told me that, it, that I was not going to be able to do that and declined me because I was not in enough fraudulent debt. Mm. Well, that, that was the first two times. Yeah. And, now, that was really somebody at the Social Security Administration should have explained to you the real reason is that it, it really wouldn't help you. You know what I'm see, saying? Right. And they didn't tell me that. Or I wouldn't have done it. Exactly. Because it took me back to square one again. Right. Just like you said. So what happened when you did change your Social Security number? What did you find happened? Well, I was extremely excited. I thought, finally, I'm clear again. My name is, I'm back to Elise, and <laughs> had her credit report pulled over, and everything you said is true. Everything linked and went right over to my new number, and it put me back to square one. So it was no help whatsoever, but a lot of uh, tears, red tape, paperwork, managers at Social Security Administration, uh, calling the FTC, trying to fight to clear my name because that was the only way I knew how to clear my name was with right. a new Social Security right. number. Or you thought, you thought, right. okay, thought. that. And and a lot of people do that. And, and what sometimes people get advice even from like the DAs, who people who are victims of criminal identity theft, the DA will tell them, oh, just change your Social Security number. And everyone who's done that has been sorry because not only is it a step backwards, it yep. is a, a further maze of craziness. So please, if you're listening to this, do not change your Social Security number because that is not going to remedy the situation. Right. Okay, so so tell me about um, what happened. There was some other thoughts, things that happened to you that that were just pretty crazy. How about the military? I, I read something if, that you had said that about that... Um, that somebody had thought you had been in the military as well? Correct. Correct. And they were trying to apply for VA loans. Oh, my gosh. And the VA administration contacted me and uh, asked me if I wanted a cheaper interest rate. Oh, my gosh. And I said, what are you talking about? I've, I don't have a VA loan. I've never been in the military. Even my ex-husband wasn't in the military. Wow. And the gentleman on the phone was like, uh, hold one moment, and sent me to a supervisor. And so we were able to get all of that cleared up right away. Now, did they give you a copy? If somebody was trying to apply for a VA loan, did you ask for a copy of that loan application? No, I didn't. Okay, let, no, me, let me say something important again. And... and by you experiencing what you've experienced is really so helpful for you to share this because a lot of people don't know what rights they have. Right. So let me explain this. At the time that you found out that somebody had applied for a VA loan, they would have had to fill out paperwork. And that paperwork would have a lot of evidence for you to give to the police. So right. this is what happened several years ago in California. Um, I pushed for a bill that we did get passed that was finally preempted by federal law, but it basically does similar things, and that's this. So anyone who's listening to this anywhere in the country, if you ever become the victim of any kind of fraud you and you write to the company, or in this case to the, um, the, the lender who was going to, the mortgage lender who was going to issue a VA loan, you write to them and you say, I'm the victim of fraud, and I um, was contacted by you, and you let me know that there was a fraudulent application. I want a copy of all the documentation, and I want it sent to me, 
as well as to the police officer who took my police report or the law enforcement agency, and they have to send you within 30 days, they have to send you copies of all of the fraud documentation, and they send it to you for free, and also they will send it to the law enforcement agency. And that helps because then they don't have to, at least to to investigate, they don't have to subpoena the records. Okay, let me touch on that for a second, Mari, because um, another crazy thing that happened to me with the identity theft was student loans. Okay, and they applied for a student loan in my name. Right. And it was showing on my credit report, so I called the Department of Education. Right. And whoever applied for it using my name and Social Security number gave a mother's maiden name that I cannot match. Right. And was issued a PIN number that I cannot match. So then they made me, it was almost like I was trying to prove, again, who I was right. to try to get this information. And to this day, I have never been able to get information okay. because now, I can't match it. Okay, let me tell you something. You have the address of this, uh, the Department of Education, right? I don't know Correct. if it was a state loan or a federal loan or what it was. You have that. You, you have a right to ask for the head of fraud, because there's a lot of fraud with student loans. Did you know that? A ton no, of it. I didn't. So you have a right to get the ad- name and address of, the, of whoever handles fraud for that particular uh, agency, the, the educational agency that issues student loans. And there is a letter in that book that I gave you with a CD. And right. you have in the letter, it tells you how to exactly what to say, that you are entitled to copies of all records of the application and all records of the, of the um, you know, the monthly statements. You're entitled to all copies of all records of that student loan. And I think I've gotten that pretty well taken care of because I've mail blasted them with the letters and the information that you provided me. And uh, the, my biggest issue was with them because they turned it into the IRS, and the IRS held my tax returns oh my for three years. <laughs> okay, so see, you could see how this is just like a domino Snowball. effect. Yeah, but yeah. but I want to tell you something, because the IRS, you don't want to mess with them for too long without clearing this up. If they have not given you copies, and if you wrote the letter that demands the copies, they must provide you the copies within 30 days, or they have to tell you why they can't. So okay. if so, you should demand to get it because you now are going to be on this list of a problem with the IRS, right? Correct. And there is also, believe it or not, there is a, uh, a taxpayer uh, advocate at your state, uh, you know, uh, taxing agency and at the IRS. So you, there is, there's so much IRS fraud as well. Would you believe that? There is uh-uh. oh there is there's there's plenty of that as well, so you will you can notify and in fact we have in that book that I gave you with the CD with the legal letters, there uh-huh. is a letter to the IRS, and and uh, there is you know so we can help you with that as well as to writing to the IRS giving them a copy of the police report giving them a copy of the affidavit giving them the documentation that you're right. getting from these lenders because obviously the student loan they're they're holding back money from your IRS return is that what they're doing your refund Oh yeah they they did I finally got one this year and I think that's why I have finally gotten that cleared up but now, um, for the money that they held, did you get the interest on it that they held? Oh, I haven't gotten that money yet. I got last year's tax return. But I'm thinking that's because I had the new Social Security number, too. Oh, no, no, no. See, yep. you're going to have so. to write to them and, and you know, update your affidavit to say that, you know, you were wrongly advised to, to change your Social Security number. This is really what happened before, and you're entitled to these refunds. You're going to have to, you know, unfortunately, this is such a crazy letter-writing quagmire, you oh, know. Yes. and uh, And that's why I gave you the CD with the legal letter so that you could use that and kind of, use that as your format so you know you still have to fill in your own facts but at least you kind of have a, a a strategy a roadmap for what to do 
you know? Right. But well, this actually becomes a full-time, part-time job trying to clear your name. Oh, exactly. It, it yeah. is. It is a full-time job working day and night and worrying about it. I mean, then even when you do get to sleep... You know you're you're worried about it, but yes, um, take you got to take care of that IRS issue to get your refund, but also so that you don't have problems with them in the future. Yep, exactly. So so uh, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, we could probably talk all day about what happened to you, but let's talk a little bit about what happened to your daughter. Oh, that was a nightmare in itself. I came out here to Colorado to um, visit some family. And I left the kids at home, and she called me out in Colorado and says, Mom, I've been arrested, and she's bawling and hysterical. And I said, What is going on? And she said, I got pulled over because my headlight is out, which we knew because she had hit a deer and had to have the little sticker around the, uh, the rearview mirror. So it was just a routine stop at night, and he ran her name and arrested her said that she had a bench warrant out for her arrest for theft and took her to uh, a town in Iowa that's about 80 miles away and detained her. Oh, goodness. And she, you know, she's 18 years old. Right. And, and at first, you know, the mother's reaction is, did you do this? And she's like, no, I didn't. And by the grace of God, the arresting officer walked in and said that's not who i arrested you know and so now she has to carry an affidavit on her in her car and in her purse so that if she gets pulled over that it is not her and it was it was like for a shoplifting charge they even had a picture of the gal from the store that didn't even resemble ashley and and it's on her criminal background check. Okay, so so right now what we're seeing is that she has a warrant for her arrest that's sitting out there. Is that correct? Well, it's taken care of now, but the theft charge is still on her background check. Okay, so this is one of the things I hooked you up with Choice Point to to right. work with them to do this. But if it's if it's on her record, that means that basically it is it is being reported, right? Right. It's being reported. So what you need to do, and and Choice Point will help you, and this is why I hooked you up with them, is that you need to go back to the original agency that's reporting it, so that they can now update their files and say that your daughter's name is an alias and that she's a victim, and that anyone who would see this then, um, what state is it in? What is Iowa. It? Iowa, okay. That they, anyone who would see this would then know that when they pull it up, you know, if she gets stopped for speeding or whatever, they'll know right away that she is the victim. Yes, it's a good idea for her to carry the uh, affidavit and, and carry her uh, whatever she gets a certificate of innocence or something but she really needs to have those records updated and that's what you need to do with choice point and and yep. when you get that there is a letter in our in our cd also to help her with that um, how do you clear your records but if you have a problem with that you're going to get back to me elisa and we'll help you all right Okay, thank you. Well, Lloyd is giving me the sign. God, we could talk for so much longer. Yes, we could. <laughs> Hopefully this is helpful to you as well as to our audience to hear these crazy things. But in the last two minutes, I just want to ask you, what would you, um, what advice would you give for victims? Just tell me real quick because Lloyd's giving me the high sign here. Uh, be persistent. Keep a constant uh, contact with the credit bureaus and watch your file even if you put a master freeze on it for your own protection that means you can't go to the furniture store to buy a recliner without someone calling you but it protects you in the long run right and, and you need you know, to get good advice so you know that's an advice. important thing hopefully i mean there's a lot of things as you noticed that that elisa that you didn't know and if you knew you would have done differently like not canceling your social security Correct. number so, you know, going to our website, identitytheft.org, going to the privacyrights.org, ID Theft Center, it's really important that you get some good advice and get some good guidance so that you don't run around in circles. 
But um, Elisa, thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank you you for sharing your story. And hopefully now that we've hooked you up with some help, uh, your life's going to get better. And then you'll come back next year and tell a, a story, a happy ending. Yes, and thank you so much for your help, and thank you to Montel for introducing me to you. Um, I've had better advice in the last two months <laughs> than I have in almost seven years. Oh, well, that's good. So. Okay, well, we will we will talk to you soon, and thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Elisa McDermott, who is of an identity theft victim. You're also listening to... KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Mari Frank. I'm your host of Privacy Piracy. Thank you, Lloyd. And join us next week at 5 to 6 for Privacy Piracy. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.